Scream is not about the plot. It is about itself. In other words, it is about characters who know they are in a plot. These characters read Fangoria magazine. They even use dialogue, I was attacked and nearly filleted last night. The heroine has been rejecting her boyfriend's advances, and just as well. As another character points out, virgins are never victims in horror films. Only bad boys and girls get slashed to pieces. Realizing they are in the midst of a slasher plot, the characters talk about who could play them. I see myself as sort of a young Meg Ryan, but with my luck, I'll get Tori Spelling. The movie itself, for all of its ironic in-jokes, also function as a horror film, a bloody and gruesome one that uses as many cliches as it mocks. Hey gays and ghouls, I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about teenage drama, scary movies, and landlines. <laughs> that it is. Ah, the classic landline. <laughs> <laughs> is there a movie that is more 90s than this one? Um, The answer to that question is no. I don't think so. I no. can't think of one. No. Maybe Clueless. Oh, yeah. Okay. But like this, this is the horror equivalent of Clueless. Like Clueless was the rom-com, mm-hmm. the teen rom-com. This was the horror movie. Right. <laughs> uh, if you haven't figured out by now, we are, of course, doing Scream. Yes, we are. The OG, are. the original Scream. Classique Wes Craven. We have to specify that because they named the new one Scream 2. Yes, they no, did. They didn't. They... <laughs> <laughs> no, they... no, you were wrong, Katie. They named it Scream. As well. Yeah. <laughs> also, in addition. <laughs> And there are two films called Scream now. Yes. And one film called Scream 2. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's funny, like, so so, uh, Katie and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. And, as we do. Um, as we do. And something that I realized, because as we mentioned in the mini-sode, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen the original Scream for quite some time. Neither right. of us have. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I really enjoyed that I didn't re- realize until rewatching it is that the end credits of the new movie, mm-hmm. the one that's currently in theaters, are identical to the one from 1996. Yep. Like, spot on. Mm-hmm. And when I was first watching it, I didn't even mention the credits in the last one, but when I was watching it and it, when the movie finished, I was like, uh, why, is he, why are these so plain? Right. Why are why these are so... Bleh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because these are straight from the 90s. Yep. <laughs> got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. It's also funny watching this after uh, Jenna Ortega's character made the crack about everything in the 90s being, all the movies in the 90s being way over lit. Yes. <laughs> and you watch this and you're like, wow, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is shiny. <laughs> yeah, it's got some sheen to it. <laughs> it definitely has some sheen. Um, and it's and it's interesting watching the well we'll get into it but just watching the the opening scene of this movie mm-hmm. and com- being able to compare it so closely to the current movie that's in yeah, theaters. Yeah, they did the a great screen. job. I mean, obviously they had to update it a little bit, right? Because of course Jenna Orte- Jenna Ortega's character, blah, 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 blah. of course Jenna <laughs> Ortega's character had you know her 
iPhone or her smartphone right in her other hand as yes. she was talking on the landline right and like I don't remember if I mentioned this last time but I did love that um the first time the landline rings in the new one she doesn't answer it right right because <laughs> <laughs> no one answers their fucking landlines that was no if they have one if they even have one at this point like, yeah my parents still have a landline mm-hmm. and they literally never answer that motherfucker like no it's still their primary phone mm-hmm. right like that's what they put on all the the forms and everything so right. that's still the phone they use the most because they're you know baby boomers so they still are you know right. attached to their landline but mm-hmm. even with that they still don't answer the phone no because it is 99 percent of the time a telemarketer yeah right and then the other the other one percent it's a serial killer so what do you do exactly just don't answer it <laughs> uh this movie was foundational for me yeah like yeah I was 10 years old when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I think in the new one, they specifically mention the horror movie you watch when you're 10 years old. Now, I I have mentioned that, you know, I I started watching horror-adjacent things very, very young. We talked about in Mm -hmm. our very first episode, if you can remember back that far. Uh, It's been a long, it's been (laughs) a long year. Um, (laughs) uh, Right. Our very first episode about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I read The Goosebumps and, you know, I I did see, I had seen some horror movies before, but it was really when I was around nine or ten that Mm -hmm. I started getting really into horror movies. That I was like riding my little bike to the video store and picking up the slashers. That's when I watched, you know, um, Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. That's when I watched Halloween for the first time. And that's when this came out. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I was fascinated with this movie and it kind of scared the shit out of me. I mean, fair. It is. It, it, I mean, especially for a 10 year old, like I think that it is a, it is a <laughs> creepy movie. Uh, I mean, it's not, I don't think as adults that it's necessarily terrifying, but. No, no, no. But. But I, I can definitely see a 10 year old watching this and being creeped out. Well, and for I, sure. I think it was that I, I related more to these kids, even though they're older than I was. Right. Like, it was set in the now. Whereas when I watched, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, when I watched Halloween, like, those kids didn't seem like kids to me. Yeah, they seem more adult. Because it was Jamie Lee Curtis and it was Johnny Depp and it was right. like people who I knew as grownups, right? right? So, like, now, you know, but watching this, it was like, these are kids kind of like me. Like these are like my brother's friends in high school. Right. And mm-hmm. they're getting, you know, picked off one by one. So. Well, and I think that with the rest of the sequels, like I think that, and I, and I know that they, <laughs> they were self-aware, but they were also self-aware about being self-aware. So mm-hmm. <laughs> where Turn this up. one, like r- very meta, like, and especially with the new one, like, the, the the newest Scream is, like, the ultimate form of meta. Oh, yeah. There's, like, there's four or five different layers yes. of awareness there. Yes. I was trying to explain the fact that there is a movie franchise within the Scream franchise that's based on the events of the Scream franchise. Yep. Is, like, fic- you know, is fictionalized in their world to my mother today. And she looked at me like I was nuts. Uh-huh. I, I finally just went... It's very meta. She was like, I guess. <laughs> I was like, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. We'll watch yes. it. Because yes. <laughs> obviously she's seen this one. Right. But she hasn't seen 
um, any of the any of the sequels. I mm-hmm. don't think. I think by the time the sequels came around, that uh, you know, I already had like my own TV, and I I didn't make her watch everything. Right. <laughs> You were to watch movies on your own. I was able to watch movies on my own, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it, this, I feel like the original Scream just has a different feeling to it. It does. Compared to the rest of them. Because nobody had ever really done this before. Right, exactly. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, Wes Craven, <laughs> Wes Craven tells a story in, uh, the, I think the 100 Scariest Movie Moments where and i think it was about i think it was he was talking about about doing scream is that like somebody you know came up to him some kid like a 10 year old kid so like me basically Mm -hmm. um came up to him and was like you know your stuff's been really lame lately you should just do something kick-ass like like freddy again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the original Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that. Like basically implied that he hadn't done anything that was scary. Right. Since the original Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Craven's like, apparently like, well, fuck, I better do something. Kids getting bullied by 10 year olds. I need to do something. <laughs> so he made this. <laughs> Fair enough. It's fine. He did good. He created a. Oh, it's iconic. It's Yeah. Like you can't, you can't talk about the horror genre and not think of Scream. No, absolutely not. And especially like in 1996, slashers had essentially ceased to exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you had the occasional, you know, um, you had the occasional sequel still floating around. You had a mm-hmm. bunch of like direct to TV or direct to video, like you know, derivative crap fests yes. floating around. Mm-hmm. But the golden era of the slasher, you know, uh, well, I mean, think about it. Think of who you think of when you think of slashers. You know, Michael, Freddy, Jason, Leatherface, all the seventies mm-hmm. and the eighties. Yep. Really, the only one from the nineties is Ghostface. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just is. Um, but yeah, this movie did a couple of things that, um, had never really been done before. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging the existence of other horror movies. Yep. Uh, with the exception, with the exception of in Halloween three, when they show a television with Michael Myers on it, most of the, you know, sort of horror movie franchises had existed within their own little bubble where- The events of their movies had happened in real life and the events of the other movies hadn't happened at all. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit, a little bit smarter, a little bit savvier than like Mm. your, your sort of original crop of slashers because it is aware of, you know, these other films and these tropes and they point Mm -hmm. them out. The other thing that Craven did um, was he cast big stars oh yeah big stars and like Mm -hmm. you know i mean a lot of slashers have big stars in them but they made those movies before they were big stars right right jamie lee curtis in halloween is the most obvious one but then you know there's kevin bacon was in friday the 13th Mm -hmm. johnny depp was in a nightmare on elm street right but like you know i mean if 
I was going to say, can you name anyone else in those movies? But of course we can. But like most people can't. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, both of them. Like that was before either of them were famous. Right. Oh, yeah. So. All of them. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, their first, you know, horror was kind of what you did before you got famous. Like even, even John Travolta in Carrie. Yep. Wasn't that famous yet. No, not he at was all. A, I think a little more famous than the others were when they made their movies. But in this one, I mean, uh, Nev Campbell was already on Party of Five, mm-hmm. which was one of the biggest shows in the world. Uh, Courtney Cox was on Friends. Right. Which was the biggest show in the world. Yep. Like in 1996, I can't think of a bigger show than Friends. No. Like a more popular show than Friends. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy. Who I don't think was super big before this movie. Um, but I think that he's acted to some degree. Yeah, I mean, beforehand. I think he, 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 might, he was probably recognizable yeah. at the time. And then you had Drew fucking Barrymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who gets killed off in the first five minutes. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. I will say, though, Drew Barrymore at this time in her career was not a big name. That's true. That's true. And she wasn't. I mean, everyone still knew who she was, but she was not who she is today. And actually, like, I would like to take this moment to, like, say how fucking proud I am of Drew Barrymore, just in general. (laughs) Love her. Just love her. She had a nightmare life for the first, like, half of her life. Mm -hmm. And she has, like, built something beautiful for herself since, like, since the mid-90s, really. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, okay, so if you don't know, Drew Barrymore, uh, the Barrymore name is one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And before that, vaudeville and theater. Like, it goes back literally 150, 200 years Mm -hmm. in terms of famous Barrymores. Um... John Barrymore, Ethel Barrymore, and then, you know, Drew Barrymore was put into movies very young, obviously. She was like, what was she, four or five when she was in E.T.? Yeah, I think she was five. Tiny, tiny, tiny little girl. And she was in a drug rehab program by the time she was 13. Yep. 13. That sounds right. And they used to take her, because they used to take her to, like, Studio fucking 54. Yeah. I mean, Carrie Fisher, too. Like, that's, this is what they did to these kids. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> They're <laughs> like, hey, have yeah. fun. And Here's... probably Liza Minnelli, too, actually, if you go back oh, yeah. a little bit further. Like, I bet, you know, like, this is this is how Hollywood treated its children. Yep. <laughs> hey, <laughs> kids, don't worry. It's candy. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have some cocaine. <laughs> Which, like... I literally cannot think of a worse idea than giving a child cocaine. A, because it's cocaine, and B, because, like, don't you want to give them something to make them sit down? <laughs> no, no. Kids aren't hyper enough these right? days. Just give them coke. Was it different in 1981? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yes, that is true. So she was in, you know, a couple of huge movies as a kid, went off the rails. Mm-hmm. She was also in uh, Firestarter, which we'll do at some point. Yep. And then she disappeared because she went to rehab, mm-hmm. right? And she kind of, and then she went a little nuts and started posting, you know, start posting. Yeah, I'm sure she put po- on Instagram. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't post a goddamn thing. Um, <laughs> was she posting on Facebook in 1990? She was. She oh, okay. Was, she was, you know, Hollywood gets all that shit first. Um, <laughs> no, I meant to say posing. <laughs> posing nude all over, play, all over the place. She flashed David Letterman. It was, <laughs> do you remember that? No. No, I don't. <laughs> it was Letterman's birthday and she was actually she might have been on press tour for this or maybe it was 
boys on the side, but it was right around this time. Mm -hmm. And it was Letterman's birthday. And so she stood up and flashed him as a birthday present. And he was like, okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure he loved it. I'm sure he did. Although like, which is kind of gross because he'd known her since she was like five. Oh yeah. But, um, she had been in a couple of small movies. Again, I just mentioned boys on the side. That was probably the biggest movie before Mm -hmm. this one that she was in. But like, I remember I was like briefly obsessed with boys on the side. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I mean, it was a good film, but like, I don't know why. Probably because it had lesbians in it. I don't know. It was some sort of subconscious thing. Um, <laughs> it did. At least one of them were lesbians. Might be two of them. Is Whoopi Goldberg's character a lesbian? It doesn't really matter. But uh, Drew Barrymore's character was not. But <laughs> <laughs> she was straight. But, and pregnant. And very young. But not many people saw Boys on the Side. I was going to say, I've never heard of it in my life. Not going to lie. You were, I, you were <clears throat> probably too young. You were probably too young. Um, and you weren't a weirdo like me. I said like me. Doesn't mean you weren't a weirdo. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did you <laughs> Did you have like every, I don't know, year or 18 months or so an obsession, a, a, a cute obsession with like a drama film? Like, I'm not talking horror movies. I was always obsessed with those, but I would also right. then have, like, a, 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 a drama. Like, I was obsessed with um, Terms of Endearment, briefly. Okay. I was obsessed with, I mean, I think I've told the story about my obsession with Dirty Dancing when I was three, but that was mainly for the dancing. But, right. you know, Boys on the Side, uh, Selena. Although I think a lot of people are, again, the music, yes. the right, right. Jennifer Lopez. But, yeah, I would have this, like, weird fixation on, like, a very, oh, um, Soul Food. <laughs> I was obsessed with that movie. <laughs> so random. I forgot about that one until just now. Um, <laughs> like, movies that, movies that I could not relate to at all. Like, they had, they right. had no bearing on, on my life as, like, a... <laughs> You know, as like an eight-year-old, but I'd be obsessed with these movies. All right, I'll give you that. I I probably well, I was obsessed with cartoons, which I know makes sense as a child, but I was obsessed with cartoons. Mm-hmm. Obsessed with cartoons, obsessed with horror movies, obsessed with video games. I w- I guess in a way I was a very normal child, but <laughs> right, <laughs> like that is a, that is like a pretty standard subcategory of child. But yeah, yeah. and I, I was obsessed with all those things too. But then also there was like these weird, random obsessions with like a grown-up film at a time, like just one. And for a while it was Boys on the Set. Watched it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I will say this. Okay, I will say this. Going back to, like, how big these stars were. David mm-hmm. Arquette was not that big of a star. Not at the time, no. Not at the time. But uh, he was in the Buffy movie. Yep. And so I know who he was mm-hmm. when I watched this because I right. loved mm-hmm. the Buffy movie. Yeah, I guess uh, same with, like, Matthew Lillard. Like, he, he, he was another one. Like, he wasn't really big at this point. Um... And then he became, like, the horror yeah. character actor of 
a good two decades. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he was in Serial Mom before this. Right. I do believe. But he was a kid. But he was a kid. Yeah. But he I mean, but it was still clearly him. Like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, that was probably his big movie before this. Um, but yeah, he definitely became a bigger actor after this one. But like, they, they had some great, great quality actors in this film. I mean, obviously, Henry Winkler is the principal. Like, <laughs> obviously, he's a big name, too. Right, yes. And, mm-hmm. and we actually also were talking about this right before we started recording. There is no more brilliant casting decision in my mind than casting the Fonz as the high school principal. It's <laughs> like, God bless. Because, like, the fact of the matter is that I, I think that this town is very... similar to the town in happy days yes right like that was also california like it was also a small town in california i believe Mm -hmm. so like and the idea that of course the bad boy grew up and became the principal well yeah of course of course he did like Mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's just it's just funny but yeah and then there was like a you know momentary before he was murdered of course but there was like a, a momentary uh like suspicion that it might be that the killer might be he did it and then he definitely did not the other thing that this movie has actually speaking of that the other thing that this movie has that was unusual for a slasher was the whodunit angle yeah not unheard of no but i mean there was there was my bloody valentine valentine's day just passed Right, so I hope you mm-hmm. hope you pulled out that classic that has more people in it than any movie I've ever seen. Yep. <laughs> like there are movies about there are movies about wars that include whole battalions that don't have as many fucking people in it <laughs> as My Bloody Valentine, <laughs> and I couldn't tell any of them apart. It was like every generic white man you've ever oh every single one every kind of generic white man you can think of. You ever seen a white man with a beard? <laughs> They're in there. <laughs> There's seventeen of them. <laughs> Um, but in the big slashers, Mm -hmm. the killer wasn't even really a character. Right. Right. With the exception, I would say of, um, Freddy, of course. Freddy is very much character. But like, you know, Michael and Jason, like they don't even, they don't even speak. No, they don't. They're more like a they're more mm-hmm. like a force, mm-hmm. right? They're like they're like the the personification of danger and death rather than like a specific character. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it makes sense that Wes Craven did this film in which uh the killer is in fact a character in the movie mm-hmm. because the one killer that we already mentioned that was the most like that was Freddy and Wes Craven did that one as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we will take a stab at Scream. <laughs> but first, it is... Shocktail Hour! <laughs> Tonight's Shocktail is called the Prescott. Now, I was trying to think of the most 90s drink that I could, uh, since this is, in fact, one of the most 90s movies that mm-hmm. you can watch. And... What I could come up with was like an apple teeny <laughs> or a Cosmo. 
mm-hmm. right? This is what everybody was drinking in the 90s. Oh, absolutely. Says the person who was way too young to drink in the 90s. But I remember. I watched a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the Prescott is kind of a uh, uh, a play on both of those things. Mm-hmm. And it should taste a little bit like a Jolly Rancher, which also goes back to, you know, my childhood. Obviously. Absolutely. Uh, so, and I just forgot the recipe. Um, the Prescott is two ounces of vodka, an ounce of triple sec, an ounce of uh, sour apple pucker, which... Mm. Oh. was the first sip of alcohol I ever took in my life when I was like 12. <laughs> so 90s. I feel like schnapps in general were really big in the 90s. Oh, very much so. so. Than now. Yes. Um, two ounces of cranberry juice and then lime to taste. And I would go ahead and garnish that sucker with a Jolly Rancher. Do it. Why not? Absolutely. The screen was released on December 18th, 1996, which I didn't realize. I always thought it came out in the summer. Yeah, it is a little weird that it was released. It's very summery. Yeah, it's very summery. But maybe, I mean, I guess it's California, so I guess it could be any time. And it just That's looks true. like summer there. Right? Yeah. And it was a huge hit. Oh, yeah. It they they it cost them, what, 15? I think it was like 14 to 15 million to make, and it made 173. Yeah, million. and it is. And that makes it the highest grossing horror movie until... Halloween, mm-hmm. like the the newer Halloween in right. the 2018 version, mm-hmm. and if adjusted for inflation, it's still the highest grossing mm-hmm. single horror movie in the history of horror. And you got to think that part of that is attributed to the casting choices. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. I think that they were very very smart mm-hmm. to cast people like Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. Definitely, I actually think that the casting of Courtney Cox was brilliant because she is was pretty much only known as monica mm-hmm. that's right like she'd been in a couple of things before that. yeah here and there but mm-hmm. um and of course very famously in the bruce springsteen uh music video for dancing in the dark mm-hmm. but she played a completely different person in this movie Oh, yeah. Like, Gail Weathers is nothing like Monica. Nope. No, Gail Weathers is an awful person. She is. They rehabilitate her quite a bit. Yes. In the subsequent movies. Because, <laughs> yes. like, I don't, you know, I don't think that insofar as anyone is ever planning to make a sequel. Like, I don't think they went into this planning to make it a franchise. No, I'm then, sure they did of course, didn't. it was one of those things where it's like, oh, we made a shit ton of money. We're making another one. And then four more. Um, or three more. But it is, and it's a very simple story, mm-hmm. uh, as slashers are, right? Like they don't they don't usually get too complex. But and while a lot of a lot of horror movies are like this too, um, but this one was this is another movie that was inspired by an actual serial killer. Yes, by the Gainesville Ripper. By the Gainesville Ripper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which was a bad one. <laughs> which was a, a very 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 bad situation and it was only uh six years before this came out right yeah it was which again like was a little bit after the sort of well i mean not entirely like it was it was near the end of the so-called gold, golden age of serial killers right right but the gainesville ripper um 
killed like six college students mm-hmm. in like four days. Yeah. Like just went on the spree. And you mm-hmm. know, there more more crimes came to light later on where like yes. it turned out that he had been active for longer than that, but uh yeah, he he killed like like six people in four days. So mm-hmm. it was really like a spree. Um which is, you know, what is depicted here as well. But the the mutilation is really what they honed in on, which is also why he yes. was called the Gainesville Ripper because right. They were likening him back to Jack the Ripper. Yes. Because that's what Jack the Ripper did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there is even... I don't remember if it's in this one or in one of the sequels. I feel like at one point somebody sees a headline or somebody says it out loud that they actually call this killer the Woodboro Ripper. Oh, really? I could be wrong. But because Ghostface doesn't come along until later. Right. Because mm-hmm. actually, if you if you look real close, when Dewey brings in the uh, Halloween costume and is like, they sell these everywhere. There's no way we're going to be able to trace yeah. this. It's just ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. The name of the costume is Father Death. Yes. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? such a weird... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Father Christmas? Like, what? Such a weird name for that costume. I'm like... Wouldn't that be called, like, the Grim Reaper or just Death? Bother Death? What a weird name. I mean, I guess it's better than, like, Death Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what you're being for Halloween now. (laughs) There it is. What's your costume? I'm Death Daddy. Death Daddy. (laughs) What? Um. Ask no questions. You get no answers. (laughs) And one thing I will say, by the way, just Mm. um, since we were talking about the fact that this is is somewhat based on the Gainesville Ripper, Mm. um, they even use the same knife that he used. Really? Yes. Well, that's a Uh juicy bit of trivia. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because that knife, that type of knife, I'm not a knife pro, by the way, by any means. But, um, and of course we mean the same, like the same type of knife. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> they didn't actually give them the Not knife. the exact same knife. Not the same knife. No, no, no. Um, but the, the knife style. That's true. It's not, it's, it's not a, a kitchen knife. No, it is a very unique, like it's a gutting knife almost. Yeah. Like it's used for hunting. Yeah. It's, it is. It's a hunting knife. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is somewhat unusual. Like usually the killers are running around with, uh, you know, like chef knives. Right. Chef knives. Yep. Because they just, you know, grab them from the kitchen. Right. <laughs> this but... one was specifically bought. Right. Specifically bought for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the the film focuses primarily on Sidney Prescott, who lives in the town of Woodboro, California. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a high school student there. The film, however, does not start with Sidney Prescott. It starts with Casey Becker, who is played by Drew Barrymore. Yes. And this was a genius thing that they did, because not only is this, like, a truly disturbing and upsetting opening Mm -hmm. scene. Yes. It is... unexpected. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, while... While Drew Barrymore had sort of fallen from grace and was, like, on her way on the upswing, right, Mm -hmm. she was still a pretty big star. And so when people saw her at the beginning of this movie, Mm -hmm. they assumed that she was the star of the film. 
and that right. she would go on. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, there is there is precedent here. Like you can mm-hmm. hearken this back to Psycho, right? Right, and the fact that they killed off Janet Lee mm-hmm. twenty minutes into the movie, but like they right. they did one better and said we're going to kill off ours five minutes in the movie. Yep. Right. Um, so they everyone sort of assumed that this was going to be the star of the movie, and then she was just gone mm-hmm. and hanging disemboweled from a tree, <laughs> which was you know would have been very upsetting. Um, so she's murdered and her boyfriend is murdered. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. And it is an unusual crime mm-hmm. in that the caller, not the caller, in that the killer calls her first. Mm-hmm. Uh, which reminds me of Black Christmas a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And has this whole conversation with her about scary movies. Mm-hmm. This is where we get the, you know, most iconic line of do you like scary movies Mm -hmm. right which is how you always know that it's the killer on the line right when he says that um the guy's using like a a a voice augmenter so that you know Mm -hmm. he sounds kind of strange but actually less strange in the first one than in subsequent ones yes like he sounds a little more normal Mm mm-hmm in the first one than in subsequent ones. Um, I guess Stu and Billy must have had a better uh, must have had a better voice modulator right. than the others. <laughs> but after they are murdered in this sort of brutal fashion in this sort of way that they're being terrorized first, right? He asks her what her favorite scary movie is. They banter about scary movies for a minute. And then he reveals that he has her boyfriend tied up in her backyard and makes her uh, answer trivia questions about horror movies mm-hmm. in order to save his life. Yes. And she gets one wrong. And the one that she gets wrong is who is the killer in Friday the 13th. Yes. She insists that it's Jason. Of course, we all know that that is not true. No, no. It was Pamela Voorhees in the original. Mm-hmm. And so he kills her boyfriend. And then he kills her. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you were talking about this, just like that. Her parents were literally steps away. Steps away from her. The only reason that she couldn't call out to them is because he'd already slit her throat. Right. Um, which means he disemboweled her and got her up into that tree very quickly. Very, like, that Too was, <laughs> that was, that was one thing that like, while it was happening, I'm like, how did... Right, like that's a little bit of like movie magic. Like, yeah, there's no little... way you would be able to do that. No, no, no. You're a little too superhuman. Right. Yeah. In addition to the caller terrorizing, oh my God, I just said it again. In addition to the killer terrorizing his victims with phone calls, mm-hmm. and the particular brutal nature of the killings themselves, mm-hmm. he is also wearing a Halloween costume. Yes. Um. Which has now become known as Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, like we said, was called Father Death, apparently, originally. So, Daddy Death. And <laughs> uh, it's it's black robe. It's sort of a Grim Reaper costume with black robes, but the, the face is sort of elongated and it's got its tongue sticking out, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like a black robe with a white face with the tongue sticking out. Uh, there's no tongue. There's no tongue? There's no tongue. You're thinking of scary movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're right. It's just black, isn't it? Yeah. 
There's no time. <laughs> We're literally watching this movie right now. I've just like my brain has just inserted a tongue into this thing. <laughs> the Mandela effect live and in person. <laughs> Here it is. Anyway, Sydney. Um So after the murder of Casey and her boyfriend Steve mm-hmm. by this mysterious masked killer we meet the actual star of the movie, Sydney Prescott. The actual final girl. Yes. Um, Sydney Prescott is named... My God, what is wrong with me? Sydney Prescott is played by Nev Campbell. Um, and a year before the events of this film, Sydney lost her mother in a pretty brutal fashion as well. Her mother was sexually assaulted, tortured, and murdered. Mm-hmm. In her home. Yes. The year before the events of this film. And uh, a man was convicted for the murder. His name was Cotton Weary, which is a weird name. Um, not quite sure where that name comes from. <laughs> and who did she say? I'm sorry. Wasn't it? Um, you see him for like a second. On yes. On like news it footage. Is, uh, and it's, it's um, Liv Shriver? Liv Shriver. Right. Yeah, it plays so. him. Yes. Just funny little, like you, you literally see him for like 10 seconds, but you see his hairstyle, which is mm-hmm. important. Yes. Right. Like you mm-hmm. do see, and I didn't realize that until watching it this last time, mm-hmm. right? That like, he has a very similar hairstyle. Uh, and it was in fact, Sydney's testimony that put that guy away. Yes. Yes, it was. Right. Um, so obviously she's, uh quite traumatized by these events made has made her family the the sort of um subject of a lot of gossip and a lot of whispers right people are kind of weird around her Mm -hmm. um especially once these killings start because right i mean for for obvious reasons um her dad leaves for a business trip because of course the parents are never around when this is happening no (laughs) somehow at least they have a legitimate reason this time for the parents not being around. It's not like Halloween where, like, the parents just disappear for some reason. Yeah, they're just gone. And, like, <clears throat> like why why are these parents just all gone on Halloween? Like, The parents are partying. Okay? I guess so. I guess so. Like, why? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why do you have these people's children <laughs> on this day? I don't understand. But... <laughs> Sydney has a boyfriend named Billy Loomis, okay, mm-hmm. who was played by Skeet Ulrich, which I'm sad to da- say a lot of straight girls my age still had a crush on. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a handsome man, sure. Sure, I'll give you that. He's not bad looking. He's got a bit of a Johnny Depp vibe going, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing is part of the reason he was cast. Yep. But, like, if you saw this movie... But there, there are two things I should say about Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis was a creep no matter what yep. the ending of this movie is. Mm-hmm. Like, as a child, I didn't really notice. But as an adult watching it now, I'm like, baby, get away from him. Yeah, no. He is a creep. Even without, you know, him ending up being the killer. Mm-hmm. And still I mean, a creep. So was Stu to a degree, but like... Stu is a goofball. Right. Stu didn't seem as predatory as Billy. Right. Like taking, again, 
taking the events of the ending out of the... Well, in a way, Stu wasn't as predatory as Billy. Right. Stu was the weaker one. Yes. Right? Oh, definitely. Billy was the mastermind. So, yep. you know, in a way, even though this doesn't at all excuse what Stu did, he was also sort of preyed upon by Billy. Right. It was, it was Billy's show. Right. Stu was just acting in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing about Billy Loomis, of course, is his last name. Yeah. Right. Uh, clearly a reference to Dr. Loomis from Halloween, who in turn was a reference to Sam Loomis <laughs> from Psycho. Oh, right. So <laughs> carrying on the long tradition of Loomises in mm-hmm. uh, horror movies. Right. Billy, we meet Billy and Sydney when Billy creeps in her window. Yep. Tries to get her to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, tells him, tells her that he was thinking of the exorcist. No, Jesus. Tells her that he was watching the exorcist, but it had all the good parts cut out. And so that got her, got him thinking about their relationship, which again, at that point, uh, he's out the door. Cool. The Bye. <laughs> Absolute lunatic. Cool. You're thinking about a relationship when you're watching the exorcist. <laughs> a movie about a 12 year old girl who's possessed by the devil. Yeah. Cool. Great. Cool. Girl, we're going to take the beginning part of this and you're just going to be the ex. Right. <laughs> okay. Have a nice life. <laughs> oh, man. And of course, we also find out that her father is leaving. Yes. For said business trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. They go to school the next day. And, of course, the cops are all over the place. The news is there. Mm-hmm. We meet Gail Weathers. Yes. Uh, Gail Weathers is played by Courtney Cox. And we also meet uh, the principal, Mr. Hembry, who is played by Henry Winkler. Because the Fonz is the principal. Yes. Um, Gail Weathers has written a book about the case of Sydney's murdered mother. In which she argues that the man who has been convicted... Cotton Weary, still a weird name, is innocent. Mm-hmm. And that Sydney had given a false identification, sent an innocent man to prison, mm-hmm. who is now on death row. And she starts to suspect that the killings are related. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, she's on it. But she's a real bitch about it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no one wants to listen to her. So no one wants to listen to her. Um, as least of all Sydney, who absolutely hates her. And, oh yeah. You know you can't really blame her. No, not at all. Um, Sydney and all of her friends are questioned. Uh, you have Tatum, who is her best friend, who's played by Rose McGowan. Yep. You have uh, Tatum's boyfriend and Billy's best friend, Stu, who is played by Matthew Lillard. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have Randy, who is played by Jamie Kennedy. And he's just sort of their goofball, fifth wheel type of friend, right? right. He's that He's that friend. There's always one of those. There's always got to be one. <laughs> There's always got to be one of those. There's always got to be the guy who can't get laid yep. in the slashers for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy's that guy. So, but Randy is obsessed with movies. He's obsessed with movies of all kinds, but especially mm-hmm. scary movies. He, in fact, works at the video store. Oh, yeah. Randy is us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Randy is us. Randy is us. Yep. Um, 
And they're all sort of being like little goblins about this whole thing. And it's really upsetting Sydney because like obviously this is not only was she friends with the girl who was murdered, but also right. just this is in addition to just being a extremely upsetting situation for everybody, obviously bringing up a lot of stuff about her mom. And now this this reporter's here and mm-hmm. she's just she's having a bad time. And her dad is gone. Right. So she goes home and her friend Tatum says that she's going to come over, that she doesn't want her to be alone. Mm-hmm. Because her uh, Rose McGowan's character, Tatum, mothers her actually quite a bit in this film. Yes. Like she does honestly seem to care about her. Like oh, she's, yeah. She's a little bit of a brat, but she does seem to legitimately care about um, Sydney and like is actually a really good friend to her. Mm-hmm. We also meet Tatum's brother, Deputy Sheriff <laughs> Dewey Riley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who inexplicably becomes one of the longest running characters of the series like he has been in every film yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh played by david arquette i forgot how bumbling dewey was oh yeah in this first one because like <laughs> yeah. he gets much the way that like it's almost like the the characters that they eventually became mm-hmm. of gail and dewey like they were they were still them but they were like to the extreme in the first movie yes and they like sort of walked that back a little to yeah. make them a little more realistic yes. as they went on. In, well, in and time. they grew up. They became they grew up. That's true. They became more adults. What? <laughs> they became more adults? They became more adults. There's five of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Here in the new screen, we have 17 Deweys. Um, it's also a uh, time traveler. It's uh <laughs> Stranger Things, Stranger <laughs> Things, Scream, matchup. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, they become more adult. Mm-hmm. Um, they grow up. They, they, you know, I think that they end up learning from the error of their ways. And they learn from this entire situation they go through in the first film. So, yes, they definitely become more likable characters in the later films. I think yes. Dewey has always been likable. Oh. Dewey's always been likable, but he just was not good at what he did. No. At all. No, no. But he was also extremely young. Yes. Like, he was still living at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what? Well, and his right. sister was, what, a senior in high school. So, I mean, what was he probably straight out of, you know, I mean, did he even go to college? Was he, like, what, 20? Yeah, maybe? it was maybe 20, 21. Right. Um, <laughs> which makes you think, how old is Gail supposed to be? Oh, that was my thing. I think that Gail is actually supposed to be in her her late 20s. Right. Like, I think she's supposed to be somewhat significantly older than you. Yes. I mean, get it, girl. Um, Mm -hmm. Why not? I mean, she was on Cougar Town, so. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, because, like, Gail wouldn't have necessarily been where she... I mean, I guess unless she started young. I mean, that's also another one where you don't necessarily... You know, she was she was trying to be a serious journalist. She wasn't yes. a serious journalist when right. she started. Mm-hmm. Or in this movie, she wasn't a serious journalist. She wanted to be one. Yes. So Tatum says that she is going to stay with Sydney. Sydney goes home. She lays down on the couch, takes a nap. Wakes up to the phone ringing mm-hmm. after dark. And picks it up and it's this mysterious caller. Mysterious caller. Mm-hmm. Who she is convinced through... The first three minutes of that phone call is Randy. 
Yep. She is 100% mm-hmm. convinced it's Randy. She never thinks it's anybody else. Right. She, like, never accuses any of, of it being any of her other friends, which, mm-hmm. like, tells you a little bit of, like, what kind of kid Randy is. Right. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, when he says, do you like scary movies? She's like, Randy, you gave yourself away. Right. Like, I know it's you now. And she literally thinks it's him until... Uh, he says, hang up to me and you'll die like your mother. Right. And then she's like, my friend wouldn't say that to me. No, no, no. Now I'm scared. Um, unfortunately, in the interim, she had gone outside to check because she really thought it was her friend pranking her. So she goes outside right. to look for him. Uh, and she left the door open. Yeah. So now the killer's in the house. And uh, she gets attacked. Uh can't get out the front door, so she runs up the stairs, which is hilarious because she had just made fun of girls and slashers who are <laughs> girl some some girl with big boobs who can't act who's running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. Yep. <laughs> well, here we are. Um, she's attacked, but she is not injured. Right. Really, like she she falls down. Yes. Yeah, sort of, but she's not few bruises. Few bruises, shaken up certainly, mm-hmm. but she's not injured. But. Almost the second that the killer walks away from her bedroom door, Billy shows up at her window again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So she actually suspects him very early on. Yeah. And then they do a oh, misdirect. Yeah. So, which is an interesting way to do it. Like where mm-hmm. they're like, this is the killer. Or is he? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we had we to go t- there for a second. Uh huh. We told you though. <laughs> we did. We let you know. Well, we were talking about this as well. Is that like, there's really no other options over who this killer is, unless it was going to be somebody who they just like pulled out of their asses, who yes. wasn't in the movie the rest of the time. Like, right. You know, it it ended up being you know fucking Cotton Weary's brother or something, and he right. was just like going after Sydney because she put his brother away. Right. Like. Right. Yeah. Unless it was somebody you haven't seen before. It had to be either Billy or Stu or them together. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, they make it so obvious. I was saying that, like, Stu keeps making a face throughout the entire film that makes his face look like the mask. And, like, this is just something that Matthew Lillard can do with his face. <laughs> but, like, he actually makes his face look like the mask. And he does it a lot. Yeah. Like, throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. And then Billy's just a creep. Like, obviously he's a creep. Uh, Stu is talking about at one point, like how to gut something. <laughs> right, like, with like, a hunting what? knife. <laughs> at which point, Billy's like, "Hey, have some, <laughs> have some tact, ass at or fuck rag." Or right. <laughs> I actually think it's fuck rag, which is a hilarious insult. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, knowing that they're the killers, you're like, "Oh, well, he was just telling him to shut up because he was like giving away." He was, like, selling the farm, right? He was, like, giving away right. the ending. Um, but, so, Sydney calls the cops, and Billy is arrested. Mm-hmm. And he's taken down to the station. He's questioned with his father there. They find out that he had been out the night before to go see Sydney. And so now they're like, well, now we don't know your whereabouts. Like, cause you snuck right. out of your house. You could have been at the Becker house. You could have killed those kids. So mm-hmm. now we're going to hold you until we see your phone records. Right. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line, I think in the entire movie 
that like wouldn't have even registered in 1996 but now it's so hilarious is when like the fact that he even owns a cell phone is suspicious and the guy's like the sheriff is like so what were you doing with a cellular phone billy <laughs> right <laughs> And his dad is like, everybody's got one now. <laughs> like, nobody else had one. Um, 96, no one had a fucking cell phone. I think I think my parents did. Yeah, it was... But a teenager? Absolutely No. Absolutely I mean, not. like, the only... I'm sure the only reason that he did is because this is in a nice neighborhood and That's California. true. They're rich, right? Yeah. That's true. I guess... Um, speaking of Clueless, our other iconic 90s movie, they yeah. had cell phones. They did. And that was a year earlier than this. But yep. they were rich. Right. So... Only the really rich kids had cell phones in 96. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dewey and Tatum take Sydney home with them because, this becomes important later, they cannot find her father. Right. Who does not mm-hmm. own a cell phone, so they no. can't just call him. Mm-hmm. They are checking the hotel where he mm-hmm. said that he was staying. They called the hotel. They checked their, you know, they, they said, I'm sorry, he's not here. He never checked in. Mm-hmm. So... Dewey and Tatum take Sydney home with them. Again, Dewey still lives with, with his family. So mm-hmm. what happens next, however, is the mystery. After an incredible <laughs> confrontation between um, Sydney and Gail, in which Sydney punches her in the face. Oh, God, I fucking love like that scene. <laughs> I'll send you a copy. <laughs> and I think my favorite thing is actually Rose McGowan, like, reenacting it <laughs> right <laughs> i'll send you a copy bam <laughs> sid super bitch <laughs> right, yeah. bam bitch goes down like, she was so excited about that okay thing. can i just say with that scene rose mcgowan sounded so much like a high schooler like in this movie these people to me are clearly not high schoolers no no no, no. this is this is very much like back in the 90s mm-hmm the adults that they hired to play high schoolers were not convincing. No, no. You are clearly, like, I'm sorry, you have five o'clock shadow. You are not, you are not a sophomore. No. <laughs> In college, maybe. Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I guess just to make them more vulnerable, because the Gainesville Ripper did kill college students. Yes, 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 he did. And like the, and you know, and so did Bundy and so did mm-hmm. um, Kemper and right, like. Right. It's hell. So did, uh, so did uh, John Norman Collins. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the, college students are kind of like a, a traditional target of serial killers. Yeah. So I don't know why they made them high schoolers. Except know. just to make them it, seem more vulnerable. Yes. Just because they were actual, like actual mm-hmm. minor children. Right. right? Um. But, well, I guess just to sort of add the twist of, like, um, another thing that had never really been done before is that the killer was also a child. Right. But, yes, that is that is a scene, besides the fact that there are, like, weirdly, like, matching twin beds in a room that only holds I, one child. It's like, no sense. Which makes no sense. <laughs> I find that hilarious. Like, they absolutely weren't going to depict those girls sleeping in the same bed together despite the fact that like every teenage girl in the world has slept in the same bed as a friend with like no, absolutely no too sexual right like <laughs> completely innocently right like, right even me right <laughs> i slept in the same bed with plenty of friends right. before i knew i was gay like it was no big deal but um sydney while she is at the riley's house gets another call from the killer 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billy's locked up. Right. So that immediately clears Billy. Mm-hmm. And right, exactly. Him. Yep. Which I'm like, hmm. 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 So now that two students, now that an additional student, Sydney, has been attacked, mm-hmm. they decide to close the school. Right. Because clearly somebody is specifically targeting students at this school. Right. So they decide to close the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the principal, Principal Pons, uh, <laughs> sends everybody home. <laughs> and Stu, being a high schooler in a movie, mm-hmm. who apparently has no parents. I don't know where his parents are either. Never know where the parents are. <laughs> They're gone right when they need to be. <laughs> his parents aren't home. And so he decides that he should have a party yeah, to celebrate the closure of the school. Absolutely. And they also, I believe they make some crack about how, you know, safety in numbers or something like that. Right. right. Like, I think that's how they convinced Sydney to go. Yeah. Is like safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, of course, Tatum is going to go because that's her boyfriend. Right. So like she wouldn't have anyone to stay with if she didn't mm-hmm. go with Tatum. Well, and. I don't think that Tatum was going to let her out of her sight. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing too is they're kind of suspecting, and and this is another misdirect, is that they're trying to point the blame at Sydney's father. Yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Because he's missing. No one knows where he is. He said he was going like he was going on a business trip, and and they trace the calls to his phone. They trace the calls to his cell phone. Right. Um. And. Dewey's even like, is there, like, Dewey never really believes that. Like, he's Mm -hmm. like, is there a way to clone a cell phone? Like, I don't. Right. But also there were, there was this sort of like, you know, there's always that sort of like suspicion, even if somebody is convicted of somebody of, you know, the mother's murder, I'm sure that there were people in town that thought the father did it. Oh, yeah. Right. So. Yes. So Dewey and the other cops are investigating. Gail is still hanging around. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly pissing off Sydney. As she does. As she does. <laughs> and they they all go to this party. Mm-hmm. At Stu's house. So uh, this is where things begin to escalate very quickly. You know what there is not in this movie, and it might be because it's set in California? Hmm. A storm. There isn't a storm. The storm does not roll in. The storm does not. No, it's, I'm sure it's, well. It's California. They have storms all the time, though, don't they? Little blips? Mm, depends on which part of California. Yeah, that's true. So the first one to go, unfortunately, at the party is, oh, but, well, I mean, I guess the first, the next one to go is actually the principal, Principal Fonz. Yes. Gets killed in his office. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right after he sends everybody home. Exactly. Never really made clear why. He was targeted, except just that he was the principal and Billy didn't like him. I guess I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they never really pointed that out at all. <laughs> like we're just gonna kill this guy. It's fine. <laughs> Take it. Like everyone else was like very closely associated with Sydney, right? And he was just an innocent bystander in a way. But but to be fair, I guess so was Casey though. I mean, really, if you think about it, Casey wasn't. I mean, she's she sat next to Sydney in English, but they weren't like best no. friends or anything i mean you would th- going after tatum makes sense right right because that's her best friend right but but they do ex- end up explaining that at the end true so yeah so they're at the party and gail yes being gail shows up 
<laughs> weasels her way in there. After she's been... Well, no, I guess she's flirting with Dewey afterwards. Oh, yeah. But she kind of flirts with Dewey. I mean, she's... No, she... He, she goes with Dewey to the party. Right, yeah. Yeah. But she flirts with him to get in. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she plants a camera. Yep. In the party. Mm-hmm. At the party. And then she goes back to the van. Mm-hmm. And her poor, long-suffering candy cameraman... I almost said Candyman. <laughs> her poor, long-suffering cameraman uh, realizes that there's a 30-second delay that's not live. Right. So he just starts recording it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one to get it at the party is Tatum. Mm-hmm. In what is absolutely the most famous death Oh, yes. In the movie. Yeah. For sure. This mm-hmm. is the thing that this movie... This is the scene this movie is remembered for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatum goes out to get some more beer from the fridge. Mm-hmm. And the killer is in the garage and attacks her. And she has no way to escape except for the cat door that's in the garage door. Right. Um, but, of course, she doesn't fit through because she's not a cat. She's a human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I get that that's like your only route right I mean it's, it's a panic decision it's, it's a it's panic not a, it's not a it's not a it's not a well thought out no plan no no I'm like come on <laughs> cat door cat door you're not gonna fit through that baby um and like the killer doesn't doesn't stab her or strangle her or anything. He merely opens the crotch door. Yep. And she's stuck in that cat door, and so she gets crushed in the mechanism, mm-hmm. and it's just hanging there. Um. And then the killer just like nonchalantly walks into the house, which is of course how you think that the killer gets into the house to right. begin with. But of course he was already in the house because. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the kids get word that the principal's been murdered. Yes. Which. Causes a lot of them to leave, right? Mm-hmm. They get upset, they leave, their parents want them home, and, you know. Um, so now, the only people left in the house are, well, Tatum, they think, right? Mm-hmm. They think Tatum's there somewhere. Stu, Sydney, Randy, and Billy, who has shown up. Yes. Now, Sydney, of course, feels terrible. Because she doesn't think that Billy was the one who attacked her anymore. So and right. she just like accused, you know, an innocent, quote unquote, innocent boy who is someone who she's supposed to, you know, be in a relationship with of this horrible thing. And of course, that like is really fucking with her head because Gail ac- has accused her of wrongfully identifying her mother's killer. Right. Mm-hmm. So like she now she's got this sort of like whole vor- vortex of like head fuckery going on. Oh, yeah. Right. Billy and... Sydney go upstairs to make up mm-hmm. and she tells him in the weirdest way possible <laughs> it's so weird and again he's just like he's like everyone's life is a movie Sydney I'm like weirdo yes Creep. get away from him not into it um <laughs> she's like I wish my life was a Meg Ryan movie or at least a good porno and I was like what maybe what are you talking about? like what? what are you talking about he gets it they get it on. He gets it and then he gets it. So, <laughs> he got it. He got it. She got it. <laughs> get, getting it all around. Uh, it is at this point that Randy gives his famous 
rules of scary movie speech. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. They're downstairs. They're watching Halloween. Um, I So this, is, I guess, is, happens a little bit before most of the kids leave. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but they're downstairs. They're watching Halloween. And he tells them the rules of a horror movie, which is you can't have sex. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they keep they keep switching between... The scene in Halloween where Linda and Bob have sex, right, right before they're murdered. Mm-hmm. Randy telling the rules, and Sydney and Billy upstairs having sex. Yes, right. It's a very, it's actually a really cool sequence where mm-hmm. they're like directly tying these these events in together. Right. right? Um, can't have sex. Never assume the killer's dead. Mm-hmm. Never say I'll be right back. Right. Which, of course, then Stu does immediately. Immediately. With him. Right. He'll be right back. Um, this is the point, you know, kids go home and they start finding bodies. Yes. They start finding bodies. Ghostface, importantly, attacks Billy and Sydney and stabs Billy. Yes. So you think that Billy's dead. Right. Like, you not only mm-hmm. think that Billy's not the killer, you think he's dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Sydney runs outside. She gets into Gail's news van. <laughs> Right. With Kenny, who they watch uh, Randy almost get attacked mm-hmm. by Ghostface, realize that their feed is on a 30 second delay, and then Ghostface straight outside, he slits Kenny's throat. Yep. Poor guy. So, anyway, so now everyone has been attacked. Mm hmm. Uh, Dewey has been stabbed. He stumbles out of the house towards Sydney. Yes. When she's running back toward the house. Mm hmm. He collapses on the porch. She grabs his gun. Mm-hmm. Stu and Randy show up. Right. At the same time and start accusing each other of being mm-hmm. the killer. And Gail tries to escape in the van and ends up crashing it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and knocks herself out. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty. Something. Yeah. She's she's pretty knocked out. So much so that the killer doesn't. Really. That the killer doesn't kill her because he right. figures she's already dead. Right. So um, Sydney making the right choice says fuck you both and closes the door. Yep. At which point, Billy shows up. Oh, Billy's alive. Shocker. Awesome. <laughs> Takes the gun from Sydney and proceeds to shoot Randy. Yep. So that is how you learn that Billy, in fact, is involved. Oh, yeah. And that Randy's not the killer, clearly. Because um, then Stu shows up. Stu shows up and reveals that he's been the one... With the voice augmenter. Right. So this is the big twist of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's not like who is the killer, but who are the killers. Yes. That there are in fact two. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to think about it, you realize that Ghostface couldn't have been everywhere that he was. Right. Right. Exactly. It makes sense. There had to be more than one person. Yes. Definitely. Um, (laughs) And then it gets crazy. They start to, they start to explain, you know, their entire... They, they just expose their entire plan to her like they're fucking Bond villains. Like, right. Yes. <laughs> instead of just killing like, her, they like just explain everything. Turns out Billy killed her mother. Yep. Because she was sleeping with his father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the only reason. And that was the only reason. And then now he was doing this, uh, this sort of whole, this whole shebang to punish the rest of the Prescott family. Right. Right. Um, because surprise, surprise, the reason no one could find Sydney's father is because they were holding him hostage, right. which is how they had his cell phone. Exactly. 
Stu has already stabbed Billy, and then Billy is going to stab Stu, right? Right. Which he does, so that they Mm -hmm. can both be injured, so it can look like they were victims. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And then the story was that they were going to frame Sydney's father for the whole thing. Exactly. And and they had already pretty successfully framed the other guy for... Mm -hmm. Her mother's murder. So, like, right. why would they think they wouldn't get away with this? Exactly. Um, so, <sighs> and then uh, Billy's like, "Hey, Stu, go grab the gun. The gun's gone because Gail has it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gail threatens to shoot them, uh, forgets to turn the safety off. They knock her down again and knock her out mm-hmm. again. Right. Or so they think. Billy's about to shoot her when Stu looks back and realizes that Sydney, who they had not they had not injured, they had not killed, they <laughs> no. had not restrained in any way, had run away. And they were surprised by this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no the girl that i was just going to kill she left she left how dare <laughs> I, I turned her i turned my back for one for one whole minute and she right. left yeah. <laughs> i was over here taunting this lady and then she just decided mosey on away why would she do that so now sydney's missing yes. and of course the phone rings they mm-hmm. answer the phone and it's sydney speaking with a voice recorder which was an incredibly stupid thing to do and here's why sydney prescott was incredibly lucky that there were other yeah. survivors yes Yes. Other than her father. Uh-huh. Because even her father wouldn't have been a reliable witness. Because, of course, he would have lied to protect his baby girl, right? Especially after everything they'd been through. Exactly. She was very lucky that Randy and um, Dewey and Gail all survived. Mm-hmm. Because what she did is she took the voice recorder and she called them. So now her fingerprints and her, like, saliva are all over the voice recorder. Yep. She put on the costume and mm-hmm. hid in a closet to scare them, which was both a waste of time and, again, was framing herself for yes. these crimes. Because she also was, like, very much planning on killing these right. two to yes. get away. So, exactly. like, what the fuck, Sydney? And, and here's my thing that I'll say. So, like, the voice recorder is one thing. Like, if she just did the voice... Like, because the voice recorder was, like... For the movie, it was cool, right? Right. No, I mean it was a good effect. Right, but don't put on the co- putting on the costume is just stupid. It's just stupid. It's just a waste of time. Yes, I have to take it off. You have to take it off. It's like a hard costume to run around in. I what mean, I think that's actually my favorite thing about this about Scream is like the killer is not graceful. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like Michael Myers, for example, is like very. He's very sort of graceful, mm-hmm. right? Like he moves, he moves slowly and he moves steadily, right? Like he's, he is like yes. an oncoming storm rather yes, than exactly. human, right? <laughs> Ghostface just flails the shit all around. Like yes. he's just like, he's falling over banisters. He's like running into doors. <laughs> he's getting hit constantly. He's getting his ass kicked at all yes. times. Yes. In all, in every movie. And she's like putting her DNA all over it. Uh-huh. They have all touched that gun at this point. Uh, yep. She's got the knife. Mm-hmm. She tackles Stu and then drops a TV on his head. Just crushes him. Crushes his head to death. It's fine. <laughs> Billy pops back up. Randy runs in at some point because he's fine. Mm-hmm. Like he got shot but just in the shoulder so he's okay. He runs in at one point. Billy pops back up. Suddenly a shot goes off. Oh no, Randy Randy runs in with Gail. 
Yes. Wait, so Billy pops back up. Gail shoots him because mm-hmm. now she's got the gun. Right. <laughs> like they're playing hot potato with this fucking gun. <laughs> it's like one of the most chaotic end scenes because there's just so many people involved. Yep. Yes. <laughs> right. Like usually by this point we're down to the final girl. Right. Right. Like, so it's the girl and the killer. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Jamie Lee and it's Michael. It's um, Alice. Alice and Pamela Voorhees, right? right. It's a one-on-one fight. Mm-hmm. Not in Scream. It's right. like fucking Benny Hill music. Right. <laughs> They're running in and out of different doors like the Scooby-Doo gang. It's just like... There's even a man involved. It's it's crazy. Well, it's because real, in realist... It, no. In realistically? No, that's in not realistically. the <laughs> In reality, neither of them are very good killers. No, because they're children. Yes. Right? Like, they're dumb. Yeah. They're teenagers. Yeah, right. Like, the fact that they managed to pull off the frame job on the first guy is uh, remarkable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Never would happen today. No. Um, and, and probably wouldn't have happened in 1996 in real life. Right. Right. But... <laughs> so, Yale shoots him. He's down. Mm-hmm. Again, in Again. the shoulder. In the shoulder, right? So Gail walks in, says something like, took the safety off this time, you bastard, or something. Right, right something yes. very Gail like that. And Randy says, careful, this is when the killer pops up for one last scare. Which does, Billy wakes up at that point, mm-hmm. and Sydney shoots him in the fucking forehead. Like, yep. right between the eyes. Mm-hmm. And says, not in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great fucking final girl line. Uh. Yeah, even even with her not technically being the final girl, because we have Gail right next to her, um, right. <laughs> like it is still so satisfying. Right. So satisfying. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways they're trying to subvert the final girl. Yes. Right, because mm-hmm. the final girl is always virgin. Right, Randy mm-hmm. says this. Can't right. have sex, right? Right. Sydney has sex and then she wins. Yep. Like she literally has sex and then twenty minutes later she wins. Yeah. Right. So like that doesn't seal her fate like it does for Linda or who whatever Kevin Bacon's girlfriend's name is in Friday the Thirteenth. I can't remember, but don't remember. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> Maggie? No, I don't remember. But whatever her name was, like any girl in any of the Friday the Thirteenth that get yes. killed immediately after their sex scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Sydney has sex and then she wins, mm-hmm. right? So that's another thing that this movie does a lot is it sort of subverts those tropes. Exactly. Right? As they're like sort of telling you, okay, here's the trope. And then they sort of take you in another room and they're like, oh, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the trope is valid for every other horror movie except for this one right, right here. Yeah. So don't, these rules won't, A, these rules won't save you in this movie. Nope. Because <laughs> like, you know, although in fairness, Randy never had sex, and he survives, so... He is technically the final girl. (laughs) (laughs) By all all technicalities, he is the final girl. (laughs) That is true. And then we are left with, you know, we're left with the police coming and cleaning up the crime scene. We see that Dewey has survived. We see that Gail, you know, obviously... Obviously, Gail and Randy have survived because they were up and standing. But we also see that Dewey has survived. Right. Because he gets pulled away on a gurney instead of, you know, in a mm-hmm. body bag. And 
the last thing we see is Gail still trying to use this story to further her career. Sure is. Sure is. And I have a question for you on that. And it's something that just popped in the head just now. Yes. Her cameraman got killed. I... Who's holding the camera? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, clearly they sent another cameraman. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like, the camera was also in the van that crashed so like it might be damaged so they might have needed a new true. camera entirely that's true there was a whole new van there <laughs> whole new van whole new crew fair enough all right still have Gail. <laughs> so that's it for this week's episode make sure you turn it tune in next week next friday for our review of hellblazers which i know katie is extremely excited about and i've not heard of until an hour and a half ago i mean i didn't i didn't hear of it until today either um but it's got this ridiculous cast and it's a movie that was made by tubi and just none of none of none of what i've heard about this movie makes sense and so i just need to watch it i'm on board Mm -hmm. thoroughly thoroughly invested Mm -hmm. (laughs) so look forward to that uh until next time of course uh like and subscribe to us on apple podcasts We have our YouTube video page, Friday Night Frights Podcast. You can follow us on Spotify. Um, We have our Instagram, FN Frights Podcast, and our Twitter, FN Frights Pod. Um, You can follow us on Facebook at Friday Night Frights. We have our website, FNFrightsPodcast.com. And of course, with any of your thoughts, feelings, or emotions, you're welcome to scream at us at scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. And last but not least, our Patreon, our Fright Club. Yes. And Katie? Yes. What is the first rule of Fight Club? The first rule of Fight Club is the rules don't always apply. No, 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 they do not. No, 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 they do not. Sometimes you can do everything right and they still get you. Uh huh. Sometimes you do the quote unquote wrong thing and you can still win. Yeah. Just because you have sex doesn't mean you can't blow his head off. Exactly. You can get yours and he can get his and it'll all work out in the end. Yep. <laughs> Getting gets got. Yeah. <laughs> so guys and ghouls, join us next Friday night. We'll be in for a fight. But until then, sleep tight. 